0: Welcome to Chit Chat Money. This is our Thursday deep dive episode where we interview an analyst to discuss a single stock or industry. And today we're talking with Andrew Marshall. He is a an analyst at Capital Mindset um, and. The company we're talking about is Paylocity, but he has kind of a unique perspective on it because he's been a customer. He's explored alternatives. He understands the human capital management software industry really well in terms of all the alternatives. and just has kind of a unique perspective on the business in general. So lots to like here. The business has also grown revenues basically 10X over the last eight years. So it's been a high growth business. Um, I know we haven't done as much software businesses lately, but hopefully this one is exciting for you guys. Um, I don't think we have any other things I should mention here in the intro. So without further ado, here's our interview with Andrew Marshall.
1: Welcome to Chit Chat Money. On this show, host Ryan Henderson and Brent Schaefer interview industry experts and riff on the world of investing. As a quick reminder, Chit Chat Money is a CCM Media Group podcast. Ryan and Brett are also general partners at Arch Capital, and Arch Capital may have positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Anything discussed on Chit Chat Money by Ryan or Brett or any other podcast guests is not formal advice or recommendation. Now, please enjoy this episode.
0: All right, welcome in. Today, we are joined by first-time guest, Andrew Marshall. He is an analyst at Capital Mindset and someone Brett connected with via Twitter. Uh, We're talking about a company maybe some people have heard of. Uh, It's Paylocity Software Business. I guess, Andrew, you kind of have an interesting story in terms of, well, I don't know if this is exactly how you found the stock, but how did you come across the business to begin with?
1: Yeah. So, uh, I work for a company as a finance officer and we were very unhappy with the HCM, which is human capital management, is what they call themselves. So I think payroll, uh, HR management, stuff like that, uh, company, um, they just had a lot of issues with processing taxes, getting things done in a timely manner. So we started to, um, you know, look at taking bids. And that's kind of how I ran into Paylocity. They're an, an HCM company. Think of like ADP, um, somewhat kind of similar to Workday, although they don't exactly play in the same field or Paycom. Um, so that that's the field they play in. That's kind of how we got introduced.
0: Yeah, let's go through, I guess, the business basics to start. Human capital management software, kind of a broad category. What exactly does Paylocity do and what intrigue you about the business?
1: Yeah. So um, think about anything that your HR department does, that's what they're going to deal with. So think about onboarding, think about um, client files, think about benefits administration. So if you have a 401k, you have uh, medical um, insurance, things like that, they'll do that, obviously payroll processing. So they're the ones that will process payroll for you. Um, even offboarding, performance reviews, um, and and now they're kind of even they have a part where they just kind of I guess informational stuff like pushing out notices to employees, anything like that, you know, general announcements. So they kind of do anything that your HR department will do. They're not a um, things called a PEO, like they don't replace your HR department, but they'd be the software your HR department uses for everything within their sphere. Um, As far as what intrigues me about the business, just looking at it when they're going through these pitches, I said, one, this is super uh, asset light and margins are going to be really good. (laughs) I mean, it's pretty simple. You set up the software, there's some management on the side of pay loss that they have to do, but for the most part, you're going to have high gross margins and it should mostly flow to the bottom line.
2: Yeah, let's dive deeper on the unit economics here. What are some of the numbers behind the margins, as you mentioned? And as a software business, what are the major costs here? I'll be looking at just employee stuff. And then today, like what margins are they earning for maybe a gross and a bottom line basis?
1: Yeah, sure. So really, their their main costs, to your point, it's just, I mean, employees, so... You know, they have roughly, I think right now it's 72, like 70 to 75% gross margins. Um and most of that within their cost of sales is just paying the employees to to process payroll, paying for the um the cloud um what's the word? The cloud infrastructure that they use. Um and then you know, if you look at their expenses, it's primarily SGNA. There's some R and D that they do as well, um, you know, developing new modules, new uh, things for their customers. Um, but really, it all uh, about 75% gross margins, and right now they're about 20% free cash flow margins, or maybe it's 18%. But they even just announced, you know, those are continuing to go up, and their long-term targets closer to 25% free cash flow margin. So. Um, in my opinion, really solid on that front, and they can do that at scale. As they get more scale, it'll become better, uh, right. margin wise. Right, right. And maybe you don't have this in front of me, but
2: how I know a lot of people, a lot of listeners to our show are going to hear uh, because we harp on it all the time. You know, oh, free cash flow margins for a software company. What's the SBC? What's the stock-based <laughs> compensation? Uh, how efficient or inefficient are they with that? Do you have those numbers in front of you? Is that a highlight or a low light for you for this one?
1: Um. So, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I believe last year it was about $145 million in SBC. Um, that's off of about $1.1 billion in revenues. So, it, it's a pretty high amount of percentage of revenues. Um, I, I would say it's closer to a low light than a highlight for me. I think the one question, and we'll get into a little bit deeper maybe about this business, the one Question or low light, in particular, how this business is run. In my opinion, would be SBC, or just the SBC and also the how would I say this? What's happening? So I'll, I'll give a quick sidebar. The founder, because the current CEO, he's been there since 2007. You know, he's you know still going to be there for a long time. But the founder who founded the company back in I think it was 98, 97. When they IPO'd, he had 49% of the, the shares. Now he's down to 18. And he's kind of a, um, he sells no matter what, what's the indiscriminate seller. And so you will have some selling pressure on you no matter what. You know, that, that's one thing that I noticed is kind of a negative for me. It, it's not enough to turn me away from the business, but I think the SBC and that indiscriminate seller from the, the founder is something to be aware of for sure. Right. And the context you're giving,
2: it seems like Paylocity is still fairly, you know, it's a sizable business over a billion dollars in revenue, but it's still fairly in its early days. It's still investing a lot for growth. And we know what you know, revenue are doing right now, again, just over a billion dollars. But what is the size of the market that Paylocity operates in? As I saw, or maybe I saw you mention they operate in kind of the smaller, like small to medium sized businesses. But again, correct me if I'm wrong there.
1: Nope. You're you're totally right. So I mean, Paylocity can supply larger companies. There are larger companies that use them, but they're primarily going to operate in that small to medium business. Um, you're looking at probably somewhere between, you know, under a thousand employees is probably their sweet spot. Um, and and it's, it is a very large market. And in my opinion, the, the trends, so from COVID, The One of the things I noticed is that tax and payroll tax, especially, and having these things done correctly is very important. So one of the things that Paylossity really helped with was, um, I'm not sure if you're aware what the employee retention tax credit was, but it was basically more or less a grant done by the government that was run through payroll um, taxes. So basically said, if you had employees that you paid through covid we're going to give you up to $5,000 per employee per quarter through 2020 and 2021. Um, like that's the, well, Paylocity, um, you know, for us, we had some issues getting some of the documents, some of the things we needed, like 941s from our HCM. I talked to Paylocity about this. You know, they literally told us every single one of our, um, our customers, they had all the documents they needed same day. Like they had everything ready. They sent it out. And I think as the tax code becomes more um, complex, I don't think it's going to become more simple. You're having a lot of these companies that run payroll themselves that are small to medium, or they're using maybe more smaller regional players that aren't as complex and they're going to move towards, towards a pay lossity. Um, you know, they have a few people they, they compete with uh, like ADP is one that comes off. ADP plays in all segments And even, you know, ADP, I think they've called out that they're only have a penetration of like, I think it was something like five to 7% in the market. So it's very segmented, which is, you could argue a good and a bad, (laughs) But, but I don't know if that answered your question or if that.
0: No, yeah, I think that covered it. And maybe can you talk about some of the other competitors, you mentioned ADP, who else Mm -hmm. does Paylocity compete with? We were talking about this before we hit record, but why did you choose Paylocity over some of these other providers? Sure.
1: So the primary competitors for them are going to be ADP because ADP competes in all parts of the market. And then you have Paychex, um, which is another pretty large player, but they also focus more on SMB. And then you have Paycom, which I know a lot of people are familiar with, I think, or it's one of the more common ones if you're investing in uh, HTM as well as Paycore. So, and I'll just say this, Paycore is the one we're moving off of. Um, And so that was one we're moving off of. And then Paycom was one, along with ADP, that we are taking bids from. Um, Really, and I, I didn't go into this beforehand, but one of the things that I think makes Paylocity successful is they focus on customer satisfaction more than the other players. Like everyone says they focus on customer satisfaction, but actually, I mean, Paylocity gets 25 to 30% of their new, um, customers from client referral. Like they have a whole client referral program. That's how they get a large chunk of their new customers. Um, and even, uh, like Quick, another quick aside and we'll get is when I was going through this process, I actually got like a personalized video sent from the CEO, just being like, like that's to me showed they're very committed to like at all levels, trying to get people in, keep them happy and, and listen to them is what I, I heard constantly. Paycom is a, a company that's also great. But one of the things was they, they just priced us out. I think they were about four and a half times as expensive as Paylocity. Um, and was you know, there any,
0: we, sorry to cut you off. Was there any functionality that warranted the higher price Is there anything that like pay loss, so, pay, pay loss that you lacked?
1: Yeah. Betty is a really cool product. So I don't know if, if you guys talked about Betty, I think it was kind of nascent. Um, I don't think it was launched less, yet,
0: or maybe it was like, just yeah. having been launched.
1: Super cool product, especially if you have a lot of people that are working on shifts. So, those every every employee on their phone, they're just going to pull it up and approve their payroll. So it really expedites the process for um, the HR administrators. The other thing is um, within my company, and I don't, I still don't know if this is worth it. Maybe for some organizations, it is. Um, Paycom, from what they were telling me was, so we have a lot of EINs within our organization. We have about 55 EINs sub-organization. Sub like, so the structure is very complex. Um, Paycom said that, and I, it, in reviewing, I don't think it'll be an issue for us, but they're transitioning between like, uh intercompany transitioning. So if someone's moving from one company to another, they do that very smoothly. With Paylocity, it's a little less smooth. But for us, that wasn't an issue. So depending on the company, I can see the reason for Paycom. But I actually think that this move to Betty is actually pushing them more up to larger businesses. I think they're going upmarket with this product. And it's actually going to leave, I don't want to say a vacuum, but more opportunity for Paylocity in the SMB space.
2: Interesting. So you're saying that Paycom is actually less and less of a direct competitor with Paylocity, even though they're both yeah. generally benefiting from the cloud Mm hcm tailwind
0: today's episode is presented by the science of hitting investment research service the science of hitting was founded by alex morris who spent a decade working as a buy side equities analyst before launching his own service in early 2021 you've hear, heard him here on the show a number of times but alex produces really really high quality equity research and in addition he provides 100 transparency into all his portfolio decision making we were early subscribers to the science of hitting research service and we genuinely believe that alex produces research that is on par with top wall street analysts at a fraction of the cost i mean the fact that you also get complete portfolio transparency and 100 accountability is just icing on the cake effectively you're outsourcing a full-time equities analyst role for just 349 dollars per year brett and i both pay for the service on our own and we can tell you that it's honestly worth the money some of the companies that alex covers includes microsoft netflix and meta roku costco match group Berkshire, tons of others. So if you're interested, check out the TSOH investment research service today at the scienceofhitting.com.
2: Now, for anyone that doesn't know, I guess you can look this up, but Paylocity, and again, these are all confusing because they all start with pay, Uh, (laughs) but they've 10x their revenue over the last decade, give or take. Mm -hmm. Is there any reason they've done this besides just the tailwind of the overall market? Is there anything that makes them special? it because they're cloud-based? Is it because of anything that you think makes them stand out from the competition?
1: You know, I looked into this and like, I can give an opinion on why I think they're, they stand out now, but they, that's not answering the question, which is why they've, what's structural, what's been put in place by the CEO that's worked. You know, I even listened to the CEO kind of talk about this. And basically what he said was the two things that really made him, because someone asked him this question directly, like two, three years ago, and he said, um, we listen to customers and we're agile. Like we have no problem pivoting and making a change if it, if it helps our customers. And really, if you think about this industry, okay, processing payroll, um, bringing on people, processing taxes, all this stuff, anyone can in theory do it. It's not like something that's, it's not an AWS or something like that. The question becomes, how reactive are you to your customers? And that's kind of what the CEO hit on. Um, And it sounds very simple, but I think it's harder to do than people actually think. And then to your point, being cloud-based fairly early on, I think has helped for sure. Um, And I think it could just be as simple as having, you know, early on a better sales team. I mean, I can tell you what what they do better now than because we also had, we took, you know, six, seven bits, and there are some smaller players that just don't have the functionality they do now. That I think it's going to really help them hit this space, you know, moving forward. But I think that's been really what's helped them in the past was uh, the current CEO, CEO, Stephen Beauchamp, listening to people pivoting and really, uh, and like I said, it shows if you're having 25, 30% coming from customers, I think that really speaks to how well of a product you're putting out there. Okay,
0: so you talked about the CEO briefly. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on him a little more broadly as a capital allocator? Is he someone you trust? Um, I guess what gives you the sense that he's kind of worth investing in? And is he important to the thesis here?
1: Um yeah, yes and no. So like I think he's a really good CEO. I generally don't like trying to invest on in a company based solely on a CEO. I think that's a, a, if you do that, then anything can happen. He gets hit by a bus, you know, it's a proverbial, then you, you know, uh, historically he's been a great capital allocator. So one of the things that you're doing in the payroll space is trying to say, what's the next thing that our clients are going to need and how do we invest in either research and development or MNA to get that right? So personally, uh, looking at the last few moves that they've made, I've very, very much liked. Um, one of their recent uh, acquisitions In recent being like last one or two years, I thought was awesome. I'm trying to remember the name of it. it. I always think of it's similar to Jeff Bezos company. It's not blue origin. It's it's something like that, but it's basically the ability now, if, I have international employees, I can actually pay them in their home country, in their home currency directly, which is a really cool thing because a lot of these even smaller companies now, you're gonna be having some international employees, maybe you're 90% America, 10% international and having that is gonna really put give the provider an edge. so I think he's been a great capital allocator. I mean, he's led the company since 2007. So I don't think it's like anything to really yeah, really things. from a
2: small business, like small revenue base to a, over a billion dollars. I mean, that shows impressive breadth of not very many people right. can scale up with the business.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, and I think he's, one of the things I like about him, and this isn't like something that makes or breaks a CEO, but he's kind of maintained, in my opinion, just by hearing him speak and everything, a bit of humility which I think is really nice to have um, in your CEO. Like he's, he doesn't come off as super slimy or salesy. He comes off as kind of like the guy you go watch like a Chicago Bears game, you know, with and grill outside. Seems, seems like a, a good guy. And like I said, kind of uh, got that vibe too when he took the time to like send us a personalized, um, you know, uh, sales video, you know, just saying, hey, we'd love to have you on. We think we'd be great partners, things like that. Nice.
2: So yeah, I mean, it sounds like they're very management team checks out. Sounds like they're mm-hmm. kind of the product checks out. It's got good yeah. unit economics. The one thing that a lot of people get concerned with with software companies now is obviously the valuation. A lot of these companies trade at premium yeah. valuations. Paylosity is no mm-hmm. different. Uh, what is you know the valuation look like today? And maybe a question to lead into this. They 10X the revenue over the last decade to a billion dollars. Do you think that's possible again this decade or give or take, you know, 10, 12 years? Can they
1: 10X it again? 10X, I doubt. Grow at a solid clip uh, for many years, yes. So, like, management has maintained that they feel extremely confident they'll grow 20% plus for the foreseeable future. Um, And based on their, you know... um, Recent hit, like growth, I think that's definitely possible. Uh, in my opinion, if you're looking at top line growth of twenty percent, twenty percent plus, um, as well as improving margins, I think it's it's a really um, actually attractive uh, company at the current valuation. So this year, software companies have really run up a lot in valuation. So you have some. You know, companies going up to 60, 70, 80 times cash flow or earnings, depending on which one you like. They're only at, and I mean, it's still a premium, but 30, about 34 times, um, I think, uh, price to earnings and about roughly the same on a free cash flow basis. So...
2: Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> in disregard um, that. Ryan's internet's unstable yeah. for any listeners. That's why uh, Andrew paused there, but continue on yeah, the valuation I mean, stuff. No, go. that's good. I mean, maybe you talked about the earnings ratio. It's in the 30s, right? Right. Low to mid 30s. Is this one where you say, okay, look, we're betting on the durability of the competitive advantage and the durability of the industry tailwind. We think regardless of where it's 20%, 15%, 25%, the revenue CAGR this decade is... It's going to make up for this you know seemingly high
1: multiple. I think if you're buying payloscity now, you're making the argument that you think the economy will stay roughly OK in the next year to two years. So here's and this kind of maybe even leads into a question on what we think maybe the risks would be to lossity. They are going to have a double um, whammy if if there's a recession that's serious so. We, we didn't talk about this, but all HGM companies do this is every time they make a sale, not only do they get the revenue from the company, they get revenue from the float that they then put into, they then get interest on. So right now, it's it's about for every, roughly for every dollar of revenue, you get $3 of float. So let's say right now they have um, a billion in revenue. They'll have probably about $3 billion in client funds that they... They hold in between, you know, when I pay them versus it gets deposited into my employees' accounts. So they're getting interest off that. Um, Essentially, you know, money market rates, I think last I checked was like four, four and a half, somewhere between four and four and a half uh, percent. So what you're going to have happen is if a recession hits, obviously there's going to be less jobs. So, you know, a company that gets paid based on the seats you have, and jobs being available is going to get hurt, and then also they're going to lose on interest rate. I think, as long as the interest rates um, don't get caught a ton, which would be the result really of of a bad recession, I think Paylocity is is extremely attractive here. I think that if a recession hits, and rates get cut, then you're going to see <laughs> quite a dip in the share price because the fundamentals are going to going to get hurt too. So. The nice thing is that the bear case is very much in your face. You know what it is. <laughs> so. Interesting.
2: Yeah. So they're going to hit double whammy if it, it's a recession, but that's something yeah. that, yeah. So that's kind of a near-term risk you could have heard in the short term, could maybe present a buyer opportunity. Right. Exactly. Um, what? So maybe over any time period, you know, you talked a little bit about maybe the one to two to three year time period for, mm-hmm. for this sort of interest rate risk in the recession, but maybe... Over the long term, over the near term, why do you think someone say you're buying Palocity shares today? Why does someone lose money on the investment? What co- what are the biggest risks
1: to the stock? And and you're saying more as a structural risk rather than like yes. a near term. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. I mean, at with any of these B two B businesses, or it's not B, but you know, businesses that deal directly with with providing a service for a business, it's, you know, there's always a possibility for disruption. Now, I, I think in this space, it's not as um, much of a risk. I think that Paylocity is actually, you know, more or less providing a little bit of that uh, disruption by going in there and, and really being a fairly affordable way for people to have all their HR needs met. Um, I guess if I were to say like, what's going to long-term, why you would underperform is probably just for whatever reason, their products don't end up panning out. Maybe there's some bad investment by management, which none of these have, have, have been the case in the past, but that's what I would see happening. Um, you know, maybe there's something like we talked briefly about Paycom's Betty. Well, maybe if, Another company sees that, replicates it, does it at a cheap price, you know, something like that could potentially have them have muted growth in the future. Um, It's not something that I personally see happening, uh, but I think if you were to say, what's the long-term thing that could really hurt them, it'd be that.
2: Right. Yeah. It seems like with a lot of these software companies, you know, right now this market seems to be acting fairly rationally. You you said Paycom quotes a very high price, you know, keeps maybe a nice little starting point for everyone else. Yeah. But I think the big concern is um, maybe okay, some company comes in and you really never can predict this and goes for a DoorDash type thing and just blazes, try to you know lose That's money right. on a bunch of stuff and make it a the market share mm-hmm. over the long term with a bunch of funding. Mm-hmm. That's kind of unpredictable, but I think it kind of leads to a different question when facing that threat, facing that maybe quote unquote moat test as we like to talk about in Chit Chat Money. Mm-hmm. what's do you, maybe closing question here? Do you think pay has high switching costs?
1: Uh, and if not, why not? Um, you know what? I, I hear a lot of people say that, um, HCMs are like, uh, they have, they're, they're very sticky and they are cause, but I don't think it's because of high switching costs. I think it's because most of the time people are happy with the product. Like for me, switching was actually fairly easy. Um, So I think it's more of, is there their moat? I wouldn't actually say that there's like an amazing moat for any of these companies because for me, a moat is something like Visa has a moat because Visa is the only one that can, well, them and MasterCard. They're like the only ones that play in their space. This one the closest thing that you'd have to emote is the fact that paylossity has the highest customer satisfaction score out of any of the payroll management companies. Um, but you know, uh, customer satisfaction can be fickle, you know, something. So do I think there is a emote per se? Honestly, like my honest opinion is, is no, uh, nothing like amazing. I mean, uh, Maybe <laughs> maybe the, the biggest mode is just like people being lazy and not wanting to switch uh, their HR. But um, I guess, yeah, it's not like this company where you're going to look at it and go like, oh, that's a company that's structurally set up to monetize off of a, a structural advantage that they have over other people.
2: Right, it's not like a Microsoft Excel where everything's no. just super, super high switching costs. Yeah, it's an interesting one where... There's a big market tailwind mm-hmm. and the culture seems great, but I think the big concerns many investors have is, all right, the competitive advantage, the brand, you know, is it really that strong? But I mean, you make a pretty good case here. Before we close anything else, anything, where can the listeners find you? Maybe give a little 30 second pitch for capital mindset.
1: Yeah, sure. So just uh, thanks for that. If anyone wants to see me, I went I, along with Fabio and Leo uh, run Capital Mindset. You can find us on YouTube. Uh, just search Capital Mindset. It's got like a brain as the, the logo. Um, we're also on Twitter. We don't have a really big presence there. But yeah, just we do work there together. And if you guys want to find us, go look us up on YouTube.
2: Right. Yeah, a lot of fundamental analysis there. And it's not the clickbait Doomer stuff. Really. No, it's
1: not. <laughs> no, we are it's not. Uh, we 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 make fun of the clickbait Doomer, all that stuff. Yeah.
2: That's right. Yeah. There's too much of that stuff out there. Okay. Well, I'm going to hit the disclosure and then we're going to get out of here. Remember, we are not financial advisors. Ryan and I are general partners at Arch Capital and clients may hold securities discussed in this podcast. Thank you everyone for listening. Andrew, thank you for joining and we'll see you all next time.